Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. So, is anyone grateful that we worship a living God? He's a living God and he's a speaking God and he speaks through his word. Scripture tells us that his word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We have the privilege of hearing that word now through Simon Taylor. Thank you. Thank you. You it's like flipping stand-up this morning, eh? It's been brilliant. The glorious, gorgeous Gary. And Richard. And not forgetting the beautiful Jane. Awesome stuff. Can anybody pass me a pile of books or a Bible or something? I just need to put that up like that. Thank you. Perfect. That's better. Bang on. So this morning I'm going to be talking about a subject that I've learned a lot more from than anybody else. So it's been helpful for me. Um, just wanted to commend Rod. What, what a word for the men that was, Rod. What a man. Thank you, Rod. Let's give him a round of applause. Thanks, Rod. <laughs> Father to many. Yeah. He always feels safe when Rod's around. You're, you're a father to many, my friend. Well done. Um, so this subject is something that's close to my heart, something that I've been experiencing over the past couple of years, uh, and something very, very close to my heart. And the title of this message today is Stay in Your Lane. Stay in Your Lane. Because as we've spoke about this morning with the growth track, etc., we're all born on purpose for a purpose. We're all very, very unique in our own individual ways. And I think God needs us to be ourselves. Nobody can be a better you than you. Albert Einstein supposedly once said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. I love that. Don't matter how many times I hear it, it's true. It doesn't matter where this quote actually came from. What matters is the fact that it's true. Now, you may think, well, that's obvious, Si. A fish cannot climb a tree. That's ridiculous. And you're right. But let's stop and think for a second and relate it to our everyday lives as individuals. Are we trying to climb trees when we should be swimming? Are we swimming when we should be climbing trees? Are we continually going round and round in circles when we should be going straight? Are we sticking to our lanes? Or are, or are we trying to run somebody else's race? Comparison is absolutely everywhere. We live in a competitive society. Social media is full of competitiveness, full of it. People of all ages looking at their lives and others on Instagram, wishing that they had that figure, that house, those well-behaved kids, that fast car, and the list goes on. You see, 
We can evaluate what others have got and what they have. We can evaluate what they've achieved, how they address, what they can do, how pretty or handsome they are. The problem is it can lead us to feel inferior. It can lead us to retreat and withdraw. Are you taking pictures, Claire? Let me just take my glasses off. Perfect. It, it, you know, the byproduct of it is us never meeting our godly potential. You know damn well she's going to put a picture of my glasses on Instagram next week. But another angle of this. So if you can feel inferior and insecure and you withdraw and you retreat, you know, retreat etc. And it, it, it can cause us not to live to our godly potential. We know that. That's easy. But here's another angle. Here's a curveball for you. We can be looking at these types of people and feel superior. We can look down on these types of people that we see on social media and it can inflate our egos and feed our insecurities which fills us and leads to arrogance and rudeness and even bullying and that can hold us back from reaching our godly potential. Because remember what the book of James says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I love that scripture right now. I, I use it in most of my messages because I love it. God opposes the proud. We all feel proud at times. I pretty did a pretty good job there. Rod got off the stage. Ounce of him probably thought, I nailed that. Because that's human nature. When you influence people and they give you feedback, it feels good. And we become proud. But God opposes the proud. I'm always keeping myself accountable for this. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Which is why I've upped my game with my vulnerability when I'm on the stage and when I'm speaking to people's lives. Because it helps me, it helps me keep me grounded, it helps me and gives, it's a constant reminder of who I am in God. Who I am in God is everything. Who I am by myself, pointless, grumpy, depressed, what's the point? But in God I'm everything. And that's why I love that. God gives grace to the humble. Thank you Jesus that I've got you. You can never be too vulnerable before the king of kings. Both scenarios displease God. They cause blockages. They restrict us. They hold us back. And they even keep us from the breakthroughs that we want to achieve and receive. That's a lot of Eves. One of my favorite scriptures, and I also incorporate this into all my messages as well, is John 10.10. 10. I love it. I absolutely love it. I speak it over myself every single day. I remind myself that the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. He came to kill, steal, and destroy families, marriages, children. That guy on the rampage the other night. was the enemy's works. It wasn't God. It's the enemy's works. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that is good. You know, it's no coincidence that a week before that, everybody stood in Market Square praying to God, thy kingdom come. And then a week later, everybody's in the Market Square mourning deaths because the enemy knows that revival is coming. The enemy knows what God is up to. And yes, I know it's not very nice and it's a very sensitive subject, but at the end of the day, there's the kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And the great thing is light is light, but darkness is the absence of light. But then it says, but I, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full, more abundantly to overflowing. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. See, we believe as a church that we're all born on purpose for a purpose, right? Just a few? 
Are you born on purpose for a purpose? Thank you. We are, each and every one of us. You see, your purpose is not in your friends. Your purpose is not in your colleagues. Your purpose is not in your family members, believe it or not. Although we live for our families and to provide and look after, there's nothing I wouldn't do for Sarah and Chester. Why do you always laugh? It's my little boy. The thing is, your purpose is not even in your pastor's purpose. That's their purpose. Your purpose is yours and yours alone. You're very unique. You're very special. God Almighty has given it to you, so don't miss it. So don't be running so fast in somebody else's lane that you run straight past your own and miss it. And don't run so slow that you never catch it. Stay in your lane. Let's see what the scripture says about these things. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Remember in the old days where we used to say, if you've got a Bible with you, feel free to flip around to you. But nobody does that anymore, do they? It's on the screen. Amazing. Oh, yeah, you can't do it. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance and race marked out, and the race marked out for us. Verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such a opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I believe that we all need to learn from Hebrews 12.1 and what it tells us to do. We need to learn to run the race that's marked out for us or somebody else. Each of us has a God-assigned lane. How exciting is that? My lane isn't your lane and your lane isn't my lane. So regardless of how well you run or don't run, my lane has nothing to do with you. My lane has everything to do with me. And I use me as an example because I can't say your lane is all to do with you. So I'm, I'm laying myself on the ground. You know, it's, it's to do with me and what God has set out for me to, to become and to accomplish. I cannot measure myself by you or your life or your performance, but only the standards and goals that God has in mind for me. And I'm sure you can all resonate with that. Thank you, Di. Got a lovely nod there of affirmation. Thank you. But as we've established, comparison is everywhere. And this is far easier said than done. How many of us have been in a position where you see somebody else progressing and achieving success and what seems so easy and faster than you? We've all been there and we look at them and we think, wow, how the heck is that happening so effortlessly for them? And I'm working my backside off and seeing nothing. It's all perspective and assumption. You don't know their story and you don't know how they got to where they are. Think about it. Comparison happens to us all in daily life. So how do we break free from it? Let's break the scripture down into four parts. 
Hebrews 12, verse 1. I'm going to read it again. Because the word of God holds so much power. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He says, let us throw And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So number one is, your plan has a place and purpose. But let me tell you one thing that the enemy wants more than anything. He wants to disrupt your race. Remember that comparison will kill your contentment and your joy. And once the enemy has disrupted you, he will do everything that he can to get you to wander out of your lane and into other people's lanes. Where you'll be, you'll spend your whole life discontented. This is not the full life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. This isn't God's plan and purpose for your life. Our lane has a place and a purpose. Our lane is dedicated and designed for us and us alone. And in our lane... It'll be full of peace. It'll be full of the rest, the strength, the anointing, the blessing, the favor, the freedom, and the power, and everything that we need just at the right time if we stay in our lane. Stop trying to be somebody else. You ain't anybody else. You're you. Stay in your lane, people. Stay in your lane, Simon. Stay in your lane. Be true to who you are. Be unique to who you are. It doesn't mean I'm going to do the worm every week, but it might come out every now and again. <laughs> but we're not meant to jump the obstacles of other people's lanes. We are the only ones that can run our race, so we need to get in our own lanes and stay there. The reason why I keep using the word lanes, I wanted to drill it into us all and, and reiterate it, because I believe that good leadership is, is reiterating the points that I believe God wants to get through to us all. See, we need to throw off everything. It says throw off everything, it says. Throw off everything that hinders us. Not slowly and gently and put it down. It says throw it off. Everything that's hindering us. The sinful patterns in our lives. The things that we get him wrong and letting God down all the time. Yes, I know that we can't let God down. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we, we've all got areas in our life that we could probably... I wouldn't say work harder on. I'd say give to God and truly submit it to him so that we can be set free from it that's how it works I always thought I need to work hard on this I need to get no 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 that the harder I work the harder it is the more frustrated I get when we lay stuff down before heaven when we lay stuff down and we submit ourselves to him the king of kings things get better some of us need to do business with God today and throw some Stuff down that's hindering us. You see, athletes don't wear heavy clothing. Because if they did, it'd hinder them. They want peak performance. They want to be streamlined. They don't want heavy things and baggage hanging onto them. So they know, they understand that. And the same can be said for us in our spiritual walk. Let's get rid of the heaviness that we're carrying. The past is the past. You know, it's Father's Day. It's a very touchy subject. You know, my business partner, Kev, he is, you know, mourning his dad. His dad died of cancer. He's mourning his dad. I said to Sarah in the car, sometimes, 
in some respects, it's a little bit worse for people like us. In the sense of that's my perspective of how I see it. Because I think, our dads are still alive, but they just aren't around. And that used to hurt until my recent breakthrough. And I think it's, it is a day where we can let our pasts. It is a day where even Father's Day can hurt. And I'm saying lay it down before God because the revelation that I had recently was God the Father is pleased with me. God the Father is with me. Joss pre, uh, prophesied over me just after the time when I had my breakthrough with um, my pastor with my dad and stuff. And, and he, he looked me in the eyes and he spoke something over me at the men's meeting. And he said, God said he's proud of you. God said that he's your father. God said that he's with you. He's going to affirm you, etc. And I was like, wow, that's changed my life. That was the seal on the deal. And that was beautiful. So thank you for being obedient with that, Joss. He's sitting there thinking, I can't even remember saying that. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit speaks through you. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Thank you, Jesus, for being humble in heart. That makes me want to approach you even more. You're not arrogant. You're not going to judge me. You're not going to ridicule me when I show vulnerability, Lord. It says that you are humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, my wife finds traffic jams very stressful. Thank you, darling. And the more I tell you to chill out, the worse it gets. <laughs> it makes you late. It restricts your speed. You feel stuck and frustrated. But when you're in your lane, there is no traffic. That's where the freedom is. Yeah, you'll have your problems. But because you're in the anointing, because you're in... Your lane is your sweet spot. That's where you thrive. You don't try and survive. You just thrive. That's what you're naturally good at. Don't try and be pastoral if you're not pastoral. Don't try and be a businessman if you're not a businessman. Don't try and be whatever you're trying to be if you're not. Just be you. Because when you're in your lane, there is no traffic because you've got the anointing throw, flowing through you. It's powerful. You're in your sweet spot. It's just easy. And people go, how does he do that? How does she do that? Because that's what you're born for. That's what it means when you're born on purpose, for a purpose. God has created a lane for you. Not a motorway with three lanes, one lane for you. And it's the narrow path that he wants us to walk on. Point two, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Let's not forget that he got severely beaten for us. So that we could be connected back to the Father. That's massive. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did it. He died on the cross. He got over the finish line. And the great news is we get to do the same. Because we believe in him. A few years ago, we had a trip to Cornwall. And when you sat on the beach, uh, we're into bodyboarding. We like bodyboarding, don't we? And paddleboarding as well. And it's easy from the beach to look at all the people on the water when you stand on a paddleboard and you do that. And you think, oh, I could do that. Anyway, we tried it, didn't we? <laughs> well, we tried it. Sarah was like this. I've been surfing through the sea. It was beautiful. It was, it, it was a vision of perfection. And then you've got me that's like, just spent my whole time trying to clamber on like Jack from the Titanic. Like, what? How are you even doing this? 
And the advice that she gave was flipping bang on. And we didn't know at the time it was, it was Jesus speaking. She says, the one thing that you need to do when you're on the paddleboard is focus on one thing. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your left. Focus on one thing. And what that does, it gives you the balance. So I got up on the thing and I focused just on the end of the thing and I started going off. I've not fallen off. This is brilliant. But the revelation through that, as funny as it is, is Jesus is the one thing. When you, oh, that was genius. That was genius. Not surprising at all. She's a very wise woman. But when we focus purely on Jesus, don't look to the left nor to the right, and we focus on Jesus and we stick to our lane, the narrow path that God's called us to walk on, we'll find stability and we'll be able to stick to our lanes and we'll be able to live a life of fullness for sure. The only way to avoid comparison is to keep our eyes fixed on him and him alone. See, Jesus knows uh, what it's like to experience tough times. He endured the cross. The worst death imaginable. He made it through some tough times. He knows how to navigate through life's trials. Believe you me, he does. Tells us that in his word. But he became victorious, victorious, and he's now sat on the throne on the right hand of the Father with God. He crossed the finish line. And we can do it with him because we believe. The enemy wants us to look at others. He wants us to look at how fast somebody else is running and how easy somebody else's race looks. But keep your eyes on Jesus and look to him always. That's the secret to life. Thank you. Bless you. Honestly, I was transformed by this message that God's put on my heart. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He knows how he's made us and what's good for us and where he wants us. The thing is, in order for us to lock eyes with somebody, we need to seek the face. If we feel like we're running all over the place, lane to lane, seek his face, lock your eyes on him, pray, read his word, and it's that, it's that very thing, because that's where he is, in his word. Point three, we need to run with purpose. First Corinthians 9 verse 26 says, therefore I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. We need to take this seriously. We can't afford to be half-hearted with this. We need to run on purpose, with purpose. I'll say that again. We need to run on purpose, with purpose. I'm not going to take the glory for that one. Sarah thought of that one, and it is superb. We need to run on purpose for a purpose. We need to make a difference while we run, but how? By knowing the way that God has gifted you. When we compare ourselves to others, we lose sight of the fact that God has given us specific gifts and talents that he wants us to run with in our own ways. God has created the fish to swim well and the monkeys to climb the trees like a pro, but none of them are good at either. So stay in your own lane. When we compare ourselves to others, we try and live in their purpose as we know. 
The thing is, when we do that as well, we, we, it leaves us deflated, depressed, discouraged. It leaves us unfulfilled. Now, if there's anybody listening online, if there's anybody in the room today, if you're feeling this way, you'll probably find that you're not living the life that God wants you to live. You're not in your lane. You're not living the plan and purpose that he wants for your life. And that's probably why you're feeling that way. Because the thing is, when you're in your calling, when you're in that sweet spot, it feels great, even in the tough times. So God, what is God calling you to? Forget everybody else, just you. What's he calling you to? What's your passions? What's your desires? This man, Rob Culley, you can see it all over him. He's an evangelist. And what's he doing? He's putting into action. Bloke's always smiling. He's in his sweet spot. He's in his lane. What are you good at? What age did you realize that you were called to that, Rod? Rob? What age did you realize? How many years ago? Five years ago. Before that, did you live a, a normal average life? But now you're on fire. Now life's exciting and exhilarating. How good does it feel to get on them streets? You can just see it when you get up and you, you're telling us about the testimonies, etc. That's where God wants us, in our sweet spot. Everybody's good at something. In Exodus 4, God told Moses to use what's in your hand. So what's he placed in your hand? One of Dave's is the drums. Stick some sticks in this guy's hand. Flipping heck, he'll cause a, a party and a storm, a spiritual storm. Do you know what I mean? That's brilliant. What's in your hands? What gifts and talents has he give, gifted to you? Use them for his glory. It's going to be different for us all, but you know what? That's okay. For some, it may be a teaching gift. This is my sweet spot. I love to teach. Spent years wondering what mine is. And over the past couple of years, I've got to understand it. I, I always thought teachers were like John P that were dead theological and stuff like that. And they're teachers. And I was like, no. I have got the ability to be able to take something very, very extremely complex, simplify it, and communicate it to people so that they understand. That's what I do for a living now. I love that more than the property stuff that I do and the investment stuff. I love nothing more than jump on a Zoom call or speak to people like this and help them understand what they thought was complex, but it's actually quite simple. And that's a grace on my life. And I give you that example to, to show you maybe there's others that are exactly the same as me. But that's been opened up over the past couple of years. I am a teacher and I love it. Love inspiring people. Yours might be a call to mission. It might be befriending a lonely neighbor. It might even be giving financially. It could be anything. You might have a successful business and your purpose is to give to the kingdom of God. Not even maybe to the rock. It could be to missions. It could be abroad. It could be somewhere, something that God's placed on your heart to help people, to advance his kingdom. Because that's what it's all about. Because the more that we advance his kingdom, the less things like what happened Tuesday morning will happen. Because the light will flourish through the, throughout the world. So find it. Don't be distracted by what everybody else is doing. Focus on your purpose. And lastly, we run with perseverance. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. 
Forget that this is Simon getting enthusiastic about this. This is Jesus. Keep going, church. Keep going, individuals. Keep going, John. Keep going, Mick. Keep going, Paul. Keep going, Claire. Keep going. Keep going. We need to not let things get on our way. The obstacles, the hurts, the frustrations, the disappointments, these things can cause us to give up and go home. And the enemy's like, decent. That's another one. Then he'll move on to the next person. We must press on and fix our eyes on Jesus. An American evangelist once said, I was going to say his name, but I couldn't pronounce it because it was too complex. That's one thing I'm not gifted in. I can't decipher complex names and say them. So an American evangelist. So who or what defines your worth? Who or what defines your worth? Are you living for a dad that is no longer alive? Trying to impress him. Trying to live up to his expectations. Are you living for a mum that will never give you what you want? Are you living for an ex-spouse thinking, I'll show him or her. I'll show them. Are you living for friends that actually aren't that bothered about you? Who or what is going to bring the meaning or define your worth in this life. Because if the answer is anything besides Jesus, you're running a race that you will never, ever win. So some questions for us all today. Who are we fixing our eyes on? Are we looking to the left and the right at what others are doing? Are we comparing ourselves to others and pulling ourselves down? Or are we putting others or ourselves on a pedestal? Are we in the will of God? Are we using what's in our hands for his glory? Have you given up? And are you halfway home already? Wherever you find yourself, it's never too late to get back on track. You may have started this race a hundred times already, but he's waiting for you. His eyes are fixed on you, waiting to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Ten seconds to go. I've cracked it. Amen. Brilliant.